Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 301 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to eliminate huge momentum swings in your tennis matches, which is a really rampant problem, frankly. Like it's something everybody's dealt with at least at one point or another in their competitive career. Some players deal with it a lot and some coaches deal with it a lot, which is actually where today's question comes from. Before we get to today's question, really quickly, I want to thank a couple recent review levers or posters on the iTunes Music Store. Special thanks to T-Rex 490, Prophecy underscore 64, and Captain Andy. All three of you, thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review. Appreciate that very much. It really helps get the word out there about the show. So today's question comes to us from Kathy, who wrote to me and said, I coach high school tennis and I'm mystified as to why my girls can win their first set 6-1 and then lose the second set badly. How can I coach them to keep their momentum going? Other coaches commiserate with me because they notice the same thing and can't figure out how to get their girls to overcome it. Any tips? Okay, so Kathy, this is this really kind of... Uh, pushed me to do a little bit of analysis that I've been, something that's just kind of been stuck in the back of my head for a little while. I've really been in the back of my mind wondering exactly what the breakdown is. What is the percentage shift from momentum going one direction and another? And I'm not going to go really in depth on this, but I am going to dive into it enough to really bring, hopefully, a perspective shift to you and everybody else listening about what it takes to completely change the landscape of a competitive tennis match. The truth is, a 6-0 to zero set can happen very, very easily if there's even a slight mismatch in, in the match. And so if there's like a particular strength that matches up perfectly with a particular weakness, if there's a pattern of play that one player is exploiting, then a 6-0 match can actually, I'm sorry, a 6-0 set can actually happen really, really easily. And uh, finishing a match frequently, tennis players, you've probably heard this, maybe you've said this or you've heard it said from somebody else. If you've been around competitive tennis for any length of time, you've heard this kind of statement after walking off a court. Man, I just finished my match and every single game went to deuce, but somehow I managed to lose 6-1, 6-0 or 6-0, 6-0 or whatever. And just the, the basic sentiment of, man, it felt so close and it felt like I was really just right there with them. But the scoreboard, like the, the end match score, doesn't reflect that at all. It just looks like a total blowout. And that happens all the time. And I think the key mindset, the key perspective shift here is understanding how close those sets can be. And understanding that is critical to your mindset on the courts. And we have this kind of internal assumption as tennis players that when somebody gets bageled, I mean, there's even there's even words for it. There's like there's like terms of shame for losing six zero or six one. There's the bagel, there's the the donut, there's the breadstick, and we have these these this terminology around. And every, different like teams have their own kind of internal. Uh, 
speak or terminology or language about what it means to either crush somebody 6-0 or get crushed 6-0. And we have this internal assumption as tennis players, it's just kind of in the culture, that that's total domination. And by this, you know, by the scoreboard, it would be super easy to assume that. But in reality, it's not actually the case. And I just, I spent some time yesterday running some numbers. And so let's start off with the, the basic like 50-50 split of points. So every, out of every 10 points, I win five and you win five. And that would be representative of kind of the ultimate competitive experience in tennis. And when the points are split 50-50, the match can equally go in either direction. In fact, in tennis, the scoring is a little bit unique, and it sets up the possibility of, of one player actually losing more points than he or she wins and still winning the set or even winning the match. You, you can lose more points than you win and actually win a tennis match because of how the scoring works. And so winning five out of every 10 points means that it's just a complete coin flip. So that's our baseline. That's kind of our control uh, set up. And that's kind of like the ultimate as far as a competitive contest would be uh, concerned against uh, one tennis player and, and another one. So now let's consider for a moment that you're playing a match, just hypothetically, just imagine this. You're playing a tennis match and every game goes to deuce. L literally, you're, you're playing a whole set where every single game goes to deuce, but one player ends up winning every game. And so it's a 6-0 set where every game goes to deuce one time, and then the other player finds a way to really focus, find the right pattern of play, and come away with the game. That's, that means that at the end of that set, the winning player ahead 6-0 has won 62% of the total points played. 62%. That means the difference between a complete coin flip of a set where it could equally go either way and a really competitive but lopsided 6-0 set is just a 12% shift of points that are won instead of lost. A 12% shift in points is the difference between even 50-50, coin flip, you could win or I could win, and somebody walking off the court with a 6-0 victory in that set. 12%. And in our minds, it feels like it should be, oh man, you won like three times more points than I did. When the reality is nowhere close to that. It's 62% of points instead of 50% of points is the difference between a coin flip and a super lopsided scoreboard, but a very competitive set. So, so let's take it one step further and say things get a little bit more lopsided. And so now, again, just hypothetically, imagine you're playing a set of tennis, competitive set of tennis, and every game goes to, to 30 all. And so, you know, you win one, I win one, but every time it gets to, to 30 all, one player just kind of pulls away and ends up winning the game. And so nothing goes to deuce. There, there's no uh, win, by, win by two after getting to deuce and kind of back and forth and, and struggling and battling. It's you win two points each game, but then the other player wins the rest of them. And so we're talking about a six to zero set 
And you would assume that the percentage of points would be significantly higher, but instead of 62% of the total points won, now it's 67%. So it's a 5% difference between the, the set where everything went to deuce and one player won. If everything goes to 30 all and one player wins, there's only a 17% difference between a coin flip of a match and one player dominating on the scoreboard and winning 6-0 after every game going to 30 all. So five out of 10 points, just five out of 10 points, one is like the ultimate competitive environment. If you're winning six or seven out of 10, then it's a 6-0, it's a possibility of a 6-0 set. Certainly 6-1 or 6-2, depending on exactly which points get won and which points get lost. You know, I set up a hypothetical where everything was really clean and neat, but winning five out of 10 means it could go either way. Winning 6 out of 10 or 7 out of 10 means you've basically just dominated that set. And so we're talking about a difference of 1 or 2 points out of every 10 is the difference between total total even battle battleground, like it could go either direction, and complete domination on the scoreboard, uh, 6-0 or maybe 6-1 or 6-2. So all you need, Kathy... And everybody else listening, I mean, Kathy, for your players, and if you're listening right now and you're a tennis player that frequently wins the first set 6-1 and then loses the second set 1-6, understand that we're probably talking about a 10% shift in points won instead of lost. That's the difference between utterly dominating a set and being utterly dominated is uh, the 10% of points that I won in the first set now go go to you, go to the other player. And now the tables have completely turned back and forth. So with that in mind, remember, the next time you lose a set, 6 to 1, or 1 to 6 rather, remember that a 10% shift is all you need to get right back into it. Take 10% of the points that your opponent won and find a way to turn the tables and shift it, whether that be with a pattern shift, which we're going to talk about in a moment, or a, a mental toughness shift, a mentality shift where you can bring yourself back to level you know, mentally and you're back in it. You're, you find your fighting spirit again and you kind of pick yourself up out of, out of uh, maybe a dark or a negative place. That's all it takes to completely turn the match around. And also on the flip side of things, remember the next time you win a set 6-1, that a 10% shift is all your opponent needs to be completely back in the match and actually dominate the next set. So the bottom line is you have to respect these numbers. Instead of 5 out of 10, 6 or 7 out of 10 completely changes the landscape of the match. And the reality is a few points, one or two points out of every 10, is the difference between total struggle to the death and one player completely walking away with it. So it's important to keep in mind out of every 10 points, how small of a shift it actually takes to make a big macro change in what the ultimate score is. So with that in mind, Kathy and everybody else listening, understand that the tactical targets and patterns you use are everything. Both players, if they try low percentage patterns and low percentage shots point after point, which in high school tennis is really common, you you have kind of two extremes. You've got the really a tentative, really defensive kind of style of high school tennis where it's like really slow and boring and nobody takes any chances. But then at a little bit higher level, you've got players who are 
really kind of growing into their bodies and becoming really strong athletes and are able to inflict, you know, a lot of force on the ball and they learn how to start hitting the ball aggressively and hard, but they don't quite have the mindset of how to construct a point yet. And they don't understand the principles of patterns and different directions of shot that are high percentage versus low percentage. And so a little bit stronger players at the high school level, frequently both players are utilizing really low percentage shots. And so a 10% swing from one player over to the other player isn't uncommon at all. And so uh, a big, you know, 6-1 in the first set and then 1-6 in the second set happens all the time because there's very low awareness and very low uh, ability to adhere to high percentage shot making. It's when both players are utilizing high quality tactics that a match can swing back and forth, back and forth in a micro way. And it's like little ebbs and flows of momentum shifts. And that, those are the matches that are really gratifying the play and really fun to watch because there's that chess match and that that struggle back and forth of each player finding a little bit of a handhold and then the other player kind of takes it away and finds their own little foothold and then the other player makes the first player again makes an adjustment and, and takes that slight advantage away and so they're the players back and forth are vying for that one point out of 10. Uh, and maybe player A will win one more point out of 10 for uh, for a couple of games. And then player B will, will win one more point out of 10 for a couple of games. And there's that back and forth uh, fight and struggle back and forth. That only really happens when there's a good awareness of solid patterns and both players are sticking to it. Uh, the other way that there could be a big macro shift, something that I alluded to a little bit earlier, is when there's a really weak mental game on either side or on both sides. So if there's a if there's a lot of tactical volatility, then there can be huge scoreboard shifts. If there's mental volatility on one side or certainly both sides, there can be huge scoreboard shifts as well. But I think what's important to understand is that big scoreboard shifts can happen with very small number very small percentage based amounts of points shifting back and forth. I think ultimately that's the biggest thing to understand here and really respect that and have that mindset that oh, it's just a few points, one or two points out of 10 can, can, can completely turn this thing around. So the question that really needs to be asked here ultimately is what are good patterns? Uh, we don't have time to get into, you know, <laughs> across the board mental toughness and tactics and strategy for singles and doubles uh, across all different levels of play. But I will give you, Kathy and everybody else listening, a great kind of rule of thumb to start with, a, a plan A to begin your matches with. And so, Kathy, for your singles players, what I recommend is break it into two uh, locations on the court. So you've got your baseline play and you've got your net play for singles players. For your singles players, when they're on the baseline, their plan A, unless they have some amazing strength or terrible weakness that forces them to do something different out of the box, their plan A to begin each match should be hit every ball across court from the baseline unless they have a really good reason to go down the line. That's, that's, how, that's it. That's the, the highest percentage pattern that they can play from the baseline unless there's some huge strength or weakness on either their side of the net or their opponent's side of the net. When they approach the net, then the rule of thumb, the plan A is hit down the line unless they have a really good reason to go cross courts. 
And that could be uh, an open courts. It could be an, a, an opponent out of position. It could be a high sitting volley. And so they have the opportunity to put the ball away. Those are all good reasons why they would go cross courts. If none of those things are present and it's just a, a kind of a neutral or maybe defensive approach shot or a passing shot that's getting down low at their feet, all those shots go down the line, keep the ball in front of them. So that's singles in a nutshell. Those are high-quality patterns that, that are easy to remember and need to be drilled into the heads of your players over and over and over again. On the double side of things, we'll again break it into uh, baseline play and net play. From the baseline, plan A is avoid the net player at all costs unless you have a big offensive opportunity. And so that could be kind of a, a sitter. It could mean that one of your players has a huge forehand that he or she knows that they can absolutely tee off on. And maybe the net player is super, super weak. That would be another opportunity for them to take control of the points. But unless that opportunity is very clear and obvious, then their their baseline tactic, their default is avoid the net player. That is their tactic from the baseline. As a net player, it's a little bit more complicated, but but not much. If there's an offensive opportunity, that means the ball is high and they're close to the net, then they should be targeting the side of the court with a closer opponent. Whoever's closest, that's the direction they should be attacking towards. If they've been put in a defensive situation at the net, then they should be targeting the side of the court where an opponent is further away. And so that gives them more time to recover and be prepared for the next shot. That's it. That is your doubles plan A. And so the best way you can help your players is to, number one, illuminate the perspective and the mindset that they need to be fighters and be aware of the opportunities they have and be aware of how small of a point differential it takes to completely turn the tables and go from a 6-1 set to a 1-6 set. If they're aware of that and they have that perspective and that knowledge, then it arms them with kind of the mental tenacity and confidence to keep fighting and to keep poking and, and keep trying to find that little bit of a, of a shift to put things back in their favor, that one or two points out of 10 to completely turn the tables. And then if you arm them with the patterns and the tactics to give themselves the best shot at success, then now they're they're doubly confident and they're kind of doubly resolved to problem solve and find the solution to whatever the problem is that day. However it is they lost that first set, 1-6, it's critical that they understand that, that they have the ability to fight back if they have the tools and they have the mindsets to be successful. And on the flip side, if they win 6-0 or they win 6-1, to respect the sport and respect their opponent and respect the fact that one or two points out of 10 can completely turn the tables and shift things in the favor of their opponent so that they keep their foot on the gas and they keep their mindset sharp and focused and they, they don't let up and let their opponent back into the match. And so if you're not Kathy and you're just a player listening, trying to find a way to be more successful, hopefully both the perspective and mindset part of this and the specific tactical part and strategy part is a huge help to you. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, if you have a question you'd like me to answer on a future episode of the podcast, shoot me an email to ian, I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. And if this episode was helpful to you, do me a favor and pass it on. Share it with uh, your teammates, your hitting partners, your coach, your students, 
whoever it might be who loves tennis, who loves improving, and has a passion for trying to master this great game. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.